0: So imagine for a moment, some of you might not have to imagine, uh, but imagine for a moment with me that Jesus is, in fact, who we profess him to be, the almighty God who has existed from the beginning of time, right? sends his son, Jesus, who has also existed from the beginning of time, who the gospel tells us, the gospels tell us that it is through Jesus, the word of God, that everything that exists was made, right? So he has always existed and that he is God, right? So imagine for a minute that that this is him. That's who he is, right? And then he's preaching this sermon, right? And he looks out on this crowd and there are thousands of people uh, where he's preaching. And he looks out in the crowd and he just says, I know that some of you are hypocrites. You know, like, you hope he's not looking at you, right? You know, like, it's this guy, right? This is right next to me. It's the, he's, right, not me, right? Like, just to imagine, letting yourself almost be, like, caught in fear, right? To be caught in fear that, like, if Jesus looked at my life, what, what would he say? Right? Because this is the thing. Jesus, we, and we know this, right? That, it, again, if he is who he says he is, then he has the ability, like, he has the ability to see beneath the surface of our lives, Right, and this is what he's getting at, that we can do all kinds of things on the outside, right? But on the inside, right, he knows if we're just pretending. That's, that's another possible translation for this word hypocrite, a pretender or an actor. And so maybe our, our first question, right, is to come before the Lord in some ways in fear and trembling, sort of examining ourselves. Am I just a pretender? And really it's it's right, like we can we can say things, right? But again, like in our heart of hearts, when Jesus looks into my eyes and he penetrates beneath my eyes and he sees into my heart, he asks the question: Are you a hypocrite? Or do you have sincerity there? What's he gonna see? Right, this is ultimately you guys, like this is this is what this this day is all about, right? And it's no secret. It's no secret. Just look at the church, right? Like, more people come to this mass on Ash Wednesday than any other day of the year. I wonder, like, how the heck do you find out when it is? Right? Like, I have to keep track of like I had to go into my calendar and put it in there so that I could remember, right? And so I just think of like. And, and so, like, I'm not, I'm not here to pick on the people who don't normally come to Mass, although I do really want to encourage you, if you don't normally come to Mass, like, sincerity begins, begins with public worship, right? Being part of a community of people who can recognize that we're all sinners here. Nobody's perfect. But we come to offer our worship to the Lord, to receive his grace so that he can work on our hearts and make us perfect like him. And this is, this is maybe the second part of this, is that, right, so, like, we can, we can wonder, uh, and we can allow ourselves to maybe be caught in a little bit of fear, to wonder, like, does Jesus see in me someone who is sincere or someone who is a hypocrite, right? We can, we can do that, but then, right, we can actually look at the passage. We can, in other words, right, we can put ourselves there hearing his sermon, right, hearing his words, and we can actually recognize, oh, my gosh, he's... He's telling me how I can be sincere. He's, he's telling me like, how I can how I cannot be afraid of his judgment. He's telling me how I can grow in perfection, how I can share life with him. Right? He re- reveals it uh, in, you know, partially in this little gospel passage, but really, like, go home and read the whole Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7, three chapters. Go home and read it, and you can actually see within that there's a really great blueprint that Jesus gives to us for how we can share life with him and how we can behave and act as his followers. It's, it's a really, it's, it's his longest continuous sermon in the Gospels, and it just, it lays out a lot for us, which is so good. Now, this is the thing I'm thinking about, right? So if I want to be someone who is, who is not considered by Jesus to be a hypocrite, even if sometimes I might have hypocritical tendencies, right? Sometimes I don't live perfectly, but nonetheless, I can, I can try and strive to live for a life that is not hypocritical, right? That is, that is not the life of a hypocrite. And so I can actually like, find out what is, like, what is Jesus, what does he reveal, And I was was praying about this this morning, and uh, I came up with three L's, the three L's of Lent, which I guess is not one of the L's, right? That's another L. The three, so there's Lent, the first L, but then there are three L's underneath. So life, law, and love. Life, law, and love. These are all things that God has given to us. God has given to us life. You would not exist. I would not exist if God had not given to us this gift of life. Right? Your next breath that you take in, that is a gift that the Lord God has given to you. Every breath that you take is a gift that the Lord God has given to you. Next, law. God knows, he knows that we, his creatures, have rebellious tendencies. We have a tendency to resist him and his ways. And so in rebelling against him, we break that relationship with him. And so he provides for us a law so that when we follow his law, he's actually saying to us that when we are faithful to him, to his laws, that we can actually share life with him that we can stay connected to him, right? Like Jesus, he comes and he says, a new commandment I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you, right? Which ultimately points us to the cross, right? He gives to us a new covenant in the blessed sacrament, in the Holy Eucharist. So that somehow, by his grace, by his mystery, imperfect as we are, when we who are faithful to the Lord Jesus come forward to receive holy communion, right, we can actually become one with him. Like, it's this this incredible gift that I think, again, if, if we really took a minute to think about it, right, there would be this sort of I gotta make a decision about whether I really believe this. Because it's so extraordinary. It's so beyond our way of being able to think, right, that this bread and the wine really, in fact, change into the body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus, so that those who come forward to receive Holy Communion, who are, who are following the laws of the Lord, right, actually somehow become one with him. Like, it's, it's so incredible, right, this gift that he gives to us, the best gift he could possibly give. This is a gift that he gives life, Law and love, everything that he does for us, everything that Jesus preaches, everything that he teaches, every warning he gives, and the same with the prophets, all of the prophets that the God the Father sent in the Old Testament to give warnings, to challenge his people, every single thing that he does is for our benefit. Right? It is all because he loves us and wants us to be with him in heaven. And he gives this gift to us. And above all, he gives it in the person of Jesus. Laying down his life, sacrificing everything because he loves you so much. Life, law, and love. And so now we take this, right, we see what the Lord has given to us, we want to receive it, but then we need to ask ourselves the question, am I giving that back to him? Am I giving my life back to him in surrender? Right, saying to him, Lord, whatever you say and wherever you tell me to go and whatever you lead me to, I give myself to you? Or, as the hypocrites do, do you try to control things and hold on to things and say things like, that commandment's not for me. I don't, I don't have to fast today. That one's not for me. I will follow Jesus on my own terms. Right? Am I giving my life wholeheartedly Joel says return to me with your whole heart am I giving my life to him wholeheartedly or am I sort of keeping some back for myself life law right do I have a law for myself in other words we could say have I made a firm commitment to following Jesus A firm commitment, have I made it, that the law for me is that I will follow Jesus no matter what, and I will follow Jesus in his church no matter what? Or, right, have I sort of, do I hang on to this thought that says, well, I could walk away at any time. I'll follow, but the next time there's a scandal in the church, I'll walk away. I'll follow, but the next time they change the mass schedule, I'll walk away. I'll follow, but if I see that person at church, well, I, I'm not going to come, right? Like, how is it that I have established in my heart what kind of a commitment do I have to following Jesus? Is it a firm commitment? Or is it one that maybe I'm leaving the door open a little bit, or maybe even a lot of it? And then the third one, love. Right? What are my intentions when I am coming to Mass, when I'm coming to worship? What are my intentions when I'm trying to live my life as a Christian? What are my intentions when I'm interacting with other people? Right? Am I doing it all out of love, recognizing that I have received such an incredible gift of love from the Lord that I can't help but to turn it around? I can't help but to pass it out to everyone that I meet. I can't help but to love Him in return. Or am I just kind of going through the motions? Right, well, I got my ashes and that's all that matters. Right, like what are my intentions? Is my life one lived in love? Or is my life... One, that I just kind of hold on to for myself, right? These, these empty rituals that I allow myself to embrace, right? These, these are three questions, and maybe they're hard questions, right? Maybe for some of you, it's like, no, like, I'm, I'm on board. Maybe for others of you, this might be a hard message to hear. But this is the thing. I was reflecting on this in my own life, right? If I don't have these three L's, life, law, and love, then ultimately, I'm just a big loser, right? And in and, and the sense, the truest sense of it, right? That I lose out on so much of what the Lord God is offering to me. That I lose out so much on the incredible gifts that He has given to me. And so, like, I just, like, I hear this, and it's like, I gotta. I got to do this. This has to be my focus for Lent of how can I, how can I give more of my life to the Lord? How can I make a firmer commitment to following him, to living an uncompromising life, pursuing virtue, pursuing holiness, pursuing the heart of Jesus? And how can I do that all out of love for him? Right, to make that my firm resolve this Lent. Because this is is the thing, and this this will be the last thing. St. Paul writes to the Corinthians, right? We are ambassadors for Christ, as if God were appealing through us. And so working together, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain, right? Can you hear this? like Paul, inspired by the Lord, is begging us on behalf of God to give ourselves to him. Right. Again, think about how crazy that is. That God is begging us for our love. When it should be the exact opposite. That we should be begging him for mercy. And begging him for love. And begging him to be patient with us. Instead, it's like this opposite thing. That he is begging us to be won over by this incredible act of love and mercy. Right? Like what? What a crazy mystery. What a crazy God that we have, you guys. I saw this is like just the big, the big invitation, right? To take the words of Jesus to heart, to take the words of the prophet Joel to heart from the Lord, return to me with your whole heart. Let's set ourselves at this lens to really give an adequate return for all of the graces that we've received.